0: Welcome to Flowstars, candid conversations between Dr. Peter O'Toole
1: and the big hitters of flow cytometry. Brought to you by Beckman Coulter at Bite Size Bio.
2: Hi, today on Flowstars, I'm joined by Peter Lopez from
1: New York University. And we discussed the benefit of being semi-retired. Uh, well, one benefit there is I get to keep my uh, academic titles, so I still have my professor title. Yep. Um, and it's... Um, it's kind of a slow you know a slow easing out of that role while i look at other opportunities pizza Uh, although if any restaurants want to hire me i'd be happy to do a little side job Uh, make a great (laughs) pizza Uh, but uh, actually you say that you actually sent me a picture of your oops there's one and we
2: also take a look at how flow cytometries help transform pathology
1: rion willis had designed uh flow systems uh that were that were mimicking what we had learned uh to observe mic uh, under the microscope but to actually make measurements All in this episode of flow stars
2: hi i'm peter O'Toole from university of york and today on flow stars i'm joined by peter lopez from New York University, Grossman School of Medicine. That's a mouthful. Peter, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing well, and how are you, Peter? Oh, no, I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm, I've known you for many years, but it's really great to actually, probably to get you, to know you better than I actually know you, if that makes sense, because when we were work conferences, meetings, the conversations generally go personal to lots of work, whereas actually here, probably get to know a bit more about you. Uh, And I realized. And actually, the first thing before we started, you mentioned you're semi-retired.
1: Yeah, uh, this happened. um, uh, Well, uh, you know, people uh, say that uh, to me with with kind of the same inflection in their voice, with a little bit of a question mark at the end. uh, And uh, I've been I've been at this for forty six years, and um, it's uh, uh, it's been you know, I've been thinking about this, you know, the pandemic is one thing that I think factors into a lot of people's, you know, career or life decisions now. Uh, and um, I thought that this was a great, uh, a good time. I'm, I'm, I am officially in the U.S. Uh, retirement age. Uh, so um, I, I did a um, kind of a a stage retirement. So at the moment, I'm, I'm semi-retired. Uh, that happened March 1st of 2023. And, um, I stepped down from the director's role, uh, as the, uh, the, the, uh, flow cytometry laboratory, uh, director, uh, and I'm staying on board, uh, for a day per week. Uh, I kind of wanted to do that to, 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 to keep, uh, well, one benefit there is I get to keep my, uh, academic titles. So I still have my professor title. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, it's kind of a slow, you know, a, a slow easing out of that role while I look at other opportunities. Because you know, I, I, you know, I didn't want to just cut it short and say I'm done. Uh, uh, it's been great, uh, and and I'm and I'm out out the pasture. I've got to say, this is this is, I,
2: for those listening, uh, if, go flip to YouTube briefly because Peter looks super young. <laughs> and that is why it's so nuts. But then just stupidly, I did look at some background. And you studied your first flow cytometry is 1977. Yeah. Correct. Yeah.
1: That you so that must have been the birth of flow cytometry at 77. Well, um, I mean, things were you know, things were already happening, and you know, to be uh you know, to be uh straightforward here, uh we my first job was in a lab at university of rochester in uh, rochester new york where there was flow cytometry instrument development going on and uh that was something uh that yeah it was it was relatively new you know the stuff that was going on uh, you know uh um, uh you know the the first patents in in flow cytometry it depends on it, dep- it depends on if you if you consider a Coulter counter or a flow cytometer, and I do because it's a it's a cell measuring device and it flows cells, uh, and that patent was I think around the time that I, w- about when I was born, uh, it was when that patent came out uh, by Wallace Coulter. Um, or if you want to go to you know the kind of the the, the more straightforward fluorescence based systems, that was Wolfgang Good's patent um, when he was at FIVE before Partech, and that was in uh, in the 1969. So yeah, it was kind of early on, uh, but you know, you were hard pressed to find laboratories that had um, cell sorters at that point. Um, although at the University of Rochester we had them, uh, we had one, but that was not the group that I was uh, working uh, with. I was working with Leon Willis, and um, it was—I uh, mean, they were—they were doing stuff that just got me so excited. Um, you know, with my with my background and the things that I had interest in, uh, you know, I was I was a young I was I was I was a young man, um, and I was quite lucky, uh, because um, that job was um, almost a recruitment. So I was it was my first job, and and uh, it was my I didn't have a job in the field, and yet Leon Willis came over to me and asked me if I wanted to work in his group, <laughs> and I was like, okay, hey, uh, that was kind of a dream for me. Uh and um and I, as they say the rest is history.
2: And so what's your
1: education
2: background before seventy seven and what well, what what did you just come out of before you took this role? Since this yeah, was your first job. Right, right. So um professional job, sort of- be a job maybe that's a better way of wording it. right right
1: right right. yeah because my first job was, was 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 cooking in a restaurant uh, which I still do not in a restaurant Uh although if any restaurants want to hire me I'm, I'd be happy to do a little side job uh make a great <laughs> pizza uh but uh, well, I, actually you say that you actually sent me a picture of your oops pizza. here's one yeah that's, that looks uh, like I'm just a big giant pizza head
2: uh,
1: <laughs> You know, I might use that for my background for now on you know, for my Zoom calls. I, I, li- I, like, I like the pizza head pete. It looks you know. it works quite well. Yeah, but Pepperoni head just makes me sad.
2: about probably my complexion sometimes. So so go on. So your yeah, first- so,
1: yeah, so my background was, you know, um was really just, just basic bi- biology background. Um uh, I uh, I got into a program frankly, i I really had no idea what I was getting into uh, to learn cytopathology uh, uh, in in a clinical setting. Um, I honestly didn't know what I was getting into,, uh, but I thought it sounded cool. Uh, it involved microscopy, and I already had interests in optics uh, in the other direction, uh, uh, telescopes. so so you know looking at distant things rather than looking at small things. and um um, I mean, it's you know, I'm, I, I was born in New York City, and you know, uh, New Yorkers in New York City have a very uh, different world view. I mean, everything for a New Yorker is New York, and outside of New York is, who knows. Uh, I basically went to, uh, went to Upstate Medical Center in Syracuse. I had no idea where I was going. Uh, most people were showing up to the university with, in a car, with family, so forth. I flew in with, with with a backpack and a guitar because I thought that's what you're supposed to have at college. <laughs> um, I mean, I did I did have other things coming eventually. Stuff got moved from my, from my from my bedroom to to my to my dorm room, um, but I got involved in this in in this program, which is basically studying alongside the medical students. Uh, things like pathology, things like um, uh, 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 medical technology, things of that nature, uh, with the goal of, uh, learning how to do cytopathology with a license. So I, I, I basically came out of this program with a clinical license where, uh, it was, uh, all microscopy, hundred uh, percent microscopy. I mean, we, we were, uh, uh, with our eyes glued to the microscope, probably five hours a day, Learning how to look at um, uh, essentially Pap smears um, and to to di- you know to do a pre screening of these things in order to to screen out you know s- potentially malignant cells. Go ahead. Pete. Yeah, so, so I, I'm intrigued now. So you got into
2: microscopy, which is where I started, and then I got into cytometry. But I've kept microscopy and cytometry. But as far as I'm aware, you kind of dropped a lot of the microscopy and we're majoring in cytometry, or did you keep some of your microscopy going alongside the cytometers?
1: Well, um, that's kind of where that first job came up, because, um, you know, we were des- Leon Willis had designed uh, flow systems uh, that, were, that were mimicking what we had learned uh, to observe my- under the microscope but to actually make measurements so you know classical classic uh cytopathology in the early days was really kind of a subjective you know you you looked at a lot of different cell types you ha- learned how to describe these things uh in detail what you were seeing the nuclear conformation the chromatin the the size of these cells you know staining patterns and so forth but the, in the 50s and the 60s um um, you know, Papa Nicola came up with this early early work, but one of the pioneers was a man named uh, Leopold Koss K O S S. Uh, he is actually in New York at, at um, uh, initially uh, uh, he was at oh, crap, Montefiore Hospital, which is part of Albert Einstein uh, in, in 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 the Bronx. Um, and he wrote, you know, he wrote the book on diagnostics cytopathology. pathology, um, but there wasn't. This kind of um, uh, metric part, there wasn't this type of measurement really being, you know, written down and and studied. It was more of uh, you know, look at the patterns, look at these things, and that, and you could be very, you could very reliably make these diagnoses. Um, at Rochester, there was a guy named Stanley Patton, uh, also a uh, a famous cytopathologist, and he was the person I studied under. What he wanted to do was to try to actually ma- do cytometry to actually make measurements and to see if certain cell types have measurable characteristics. And this was just done visually. This was not done with any kind of DNA staining, any kind of special stuff. Um, and um, and he, uh, it's pretty cool because he was, ma- you know, this was in the '60s, and he was making cellular measurements. Um, I mean, you can make, a, you know, I, as you very well know, you can very easily make a measurement on, you know, with a, on a microscope with a, with a, uh, with a stage micrometer and a, and a calibrated, uh, you know, uh, um, eyepiece, um, he went a step further and started weighing stuff. So he would, he would trace images of cells and right. nuclei yep. and he would start making weight. He was making weight determinations by cutting these things out and like putting them on scales and stuff, but he gathered enough. Information that served as the basis of this project. So um so so I'm, I I kind of went off off a little bit on the story. you know, keeping the microscopy, I think really played a very big role for me in flow cytometry because because I got into this, got into that part of the field, knowing a bit about what we were actually looking at as the cells you know uh, as things were going through the machine. So um you know I, I still We'll say this, you know, to any young per- flow cytometrists or or people already in the field, that a microscope is is your best friend in a flow cytometry laboratory, and you really should have one, and you should really become very comfortable with turning that thing on and using it, because it's going to get you out of many binds that uh, where you know just looking at dots on it dots on a dot plot, you can say a lot, but, you know, sometimes, you know, the picture's worth a thousand words. So I kept, I you know, I kept with it. And and in fact, I did actually, um, when I was at the Aaron Diamond AIDS Research Center, and actually, even when I was at Harvard, um, I did have small microscopy laboratories that I was, that I was simultane- simultaneously overseeing. I mean, we had a, we had a very early, um, uh, one of these uh, kludge together um, um, uh, deconvolution systems. Um, when I was at, when I was at Rochester, before they became, you know, people started putting, you know, making them prettier and, and, and more reliable. Um, so, so I had one, I had one of those when I was at, um, at Harvard at Dana-Farber. And then later on at, um, uh, at Aaron Diamond AIDS research center with David Ho, I had, uh, we used one of these, uh, I don't know if the names changed, but it's called a Delta vision system. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a deconvolution microscope. Yeah. You and still then, get you know, Delta
2: vision. Oh, sort of still get Delta visions. Uh, okay. the UIMX, but they're yeah, yeah. Things yeah. are moving forward still as always with the pace.
1: Yeah. 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 So I like, you know, so I kind of like that aspect of it and, and, you know, I think, you know, I, I really encourage people to, 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 to really become very comfortable with the microscope. In, in a flow cytometry kind of a setting um you know I, you know I, I i could talk for for quite a bit on this but and as, as can you i'm sure you know where 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 you know you're looking at something on the screen and 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 you and you know something's wrong uh and you're trying to describe it from what you're looking at on the flow cytometer and and my first thought is let's take seven, seven, 7 microliters which is by the way the amount that fits a, fits really nicely under a 22 uh, millimeter coverslip if you if you take 7 uh, th- that one i found by trial and error you know it's almost like every every time you make that slide you know a wet prep it's going to you know you're going to end up with a lot of bubbles and stuff so
2: top tip number 1 we need that for the uh, for the for the short edits <laughs> for the 7 microliters being the perfect amount i, I have <laughs> you, you mentioned during that point uh David Ho and so I'm I'm trying one of my questions was who's inspired you and you sent me a picture of David so I presume David is one of your people here so I I thought showing the pictures actually to give some credit to David as well
1: just just a you know just a a brilliant wonderful um you know uh, uh I mean the the depth of his knowledge you know he you know David Ho was uh the person um who was the uh the the, the president of uh, and actually the Aaron Diamond AIDS research center Aaron Diamond is a is a a real estate developer um in new york city um uh and his actually his wife is very interesting also Irene Diamond they did a um uh they did a vanity fair issue uh, uh with Irene Diamond as the as on the cover uh, and I think the title was uh, "Rebel with a Purse" uh, uh, because she had the money uh, from his uh, uh, to, to go after really, you know, uh, uh, socially important things. She was a um, she was a playwright uh, in back in the early days, the, the early Hollywood days, and their interest in the HIV um, uh, uh, situation came because she was noticing, you know, some of these, uh, artists were yeah. from this disease. Uh, so David was brought in, uh, at the start that, when they formed the Aaron Aaron diamond AIDS research center. And he's, uh, he's a very, uh, understated individual, uh, but his reach is uh is you know is worldwide i mean he has you know his group came up with the um antiretroviral uh cocktail uh that turned uh hiv aids into you know uh, from a death sentence into a into a chronic manageable situation um i was uh lucky to be invited to his uh 70th birthday uh which was also the 30th anniversary of the Aaron Diamond AIDS Research Center Um, It was a fantastic I mean I've never been to a a gala like this I mean this would have you know if I had a tuxedo this is what would have been the place to wear it but I don't have one is is this you at the same do this isn't you at the same do though is it well well, I'm sorry again this isn't
2: this isn't that party though is it Oh no 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 no! This yeah, is yeah, this. you actually Look, so both looking
1: super informal in in a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the this is one of the uh, I had already moved on. Um, so so that's another uh, really nice thing. I you know I, I I I quickly felt like I was part of this fa- part of the family. Um, with with it, it, they the, the group uh, the the Diamond AIDS Research Center is is a small center. Uh, I I don't think there there are more than a hundred people um, uh, working there. Um, and um you know so so the interactions were fantastic. I mean, uh, you know thanks for bringing thanks for for, for for noting that. I mean, David's been uh you know, so um helpful to me. I mean, you know i've I, I've been lucky i've had I've had a lot of uh really great mentors. I mean, I could also you know mention uh, i mean you know, leon Leon wheelis, who uh, got me started in the field um uh, after working at at, at uh, Rochester, I moved to Philadelphia and worked with uh, Donald Mosier, who's a world-class immunologist. Um, he um, he was he really let me. Uh, I mean, he, he 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 gave me a lot of a lot of freedom, uh, uh, and and that was the first that was the first commercial flow cytometer ever used. So I was moving from home-built instruments that that we made in, in Rochester. Uh, and in fact, just you know, maybe it may also be of interest. Um, we had developed what I I believe was the first imaging flow cytometer in Rochester. Uh, that machine was built already when I started in 1977. Um, that wasn't uh, this, was it? Uh, no, no. That this is um, this is actually two uh, Coulter Epics cell sorters uh, that were. Um, this was the cell sorter in I, I I I we had two in that laboratory although there were other laboratories um at Dana-Farber i think a lot of people know uh, john know of john daly john daly also had another core laboratory at dana-farber we had uh, we weren't competing we we were just in serving different different groups how is john you still in touch with john uh, john johns retired uh, i think yeah. um um he's actually the same age as i am but he but he started he he took his retirement i think last year and from what i have heard he's um uh he's Building small, small. Uh, well, I don't know, small, but he's he's boat building. He's he, he's off building boats somewhere. Now, um, I,
2: I remember looking at somebody's Facebook when he retired. So sort of, on Facebook it's the only way you keep in touch with some people is via Facebook. And and, and playing the fiddle, I think, over in Dublin at one point and going around. It, it was yeah. yeah. I you know, just wondered how it was. So looking at this and another instrument here. Is... Yeah, that's the
1: that's the that's the facts two instrument, which is very. Similar um, uh, to the instrument, the, this would this was the first commercial um, uh, flow cytometer that I that I ever operated. Um, this uh, uh, this one I think this is the this is the system that I believe at the Smithsonian. Um, the, the, uh, that uh, so it's so it's in a museum someplace. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure um, uh, Paul Robinson can can tell us more about uh, where this system came from. But that's it. I mean, that, that you know, it's a monster. Uh, and that thing was only capable of doing um, two colors. Uh, and the only way you could do two colors was with two lasers. You, uh, you know, these, you know, all of the dyes that we, you know, that we, that we you know, rummaged through when we we're trying to figure out how to put together 30 color experiments, this stuff was unheard of and unimagined back then. I mean, you know, when, when phycoerythrin came about, people were thrilled, people were, that's actually a funny story because because um, I was working with Don Mosier at the time, I worked with him from 1982 to 1986 and he had, uh, he was a world-class immunologist, so he had connections with Herzbergs and Beckton Dickinson and so forth. Um, and Don handed me a sample of phycoerythrin with the spectra and he said, Uh, BD or, I don't know if it was BD or Hertzberg or whoever, they sent it, they sent the sample to him and I don't remember what it was conjugated to or whatever. He said, let's give this a try on the machine and see how it looks. So I had no knowledge of this. You know, this is before, uh, I mean, all I knew is this is a new dye. It's got, here's the spectra. And I had, we had a two laser instrument, which, and, and two laser instruments were rare at the time. So my thought was, oh, they're sending this to us because we have a Krypton laser and a Krypton laser puts out a really strong 561 or 568. I forget the, the nanometer line. And I said, okay, great. I'll, I'll, I'll turn this on. I, I got a filter, an optical filter so I could look at it and I ran it and I told on. I said, this, this stuff is screaming, bright. Look at this stuff. It's, it makes, you know, it makes Fitzy and look like, like you didn't turn the lights on. And, and Don said, fantastic. I'll, I'll, I'll send the information back. So they sent the information back, and 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 then sometime later, Don comes in and said, "Peter, you didn't do you didn't do it the right way. You didn't run the the sample the right way." I was like, "What do you mean?" And I said, "They didn't want you to run it at five sixty one. They wanted you to run it at 488. And I was like, "Why would you want?" to run this at 488 and you know like oh now you can get another color off the 488 laser so you yeah. don't need that other laser and yeah and there, you know, again there's another one that the rest is history
2: you know Joe, what's amazing i mean that if you, you know for the listeners now you're, you're thinking about how exciting it must have been to see pe for the first time we just take for granted now but to be at that early innovation and yet there are still those moments in the lab even today there's mm-hmm. new dyes new technologies, new approaches. And I, I don't know, last, I think the last three years has been two moments that I've been looking at whole new beat test or concept products and just gone not three times. And it's okay. gone, oh my goodness, you know, who'd have thought we could ever do that. And it's right. just different things that just were not possible, not imaginable. Then you think, wow, what science can we answer? using it so imagine now you're going from one color two color to, to add more colors it just opens up what you can do and now they're asking for 30 plus colors no, sure. it's just no pleasing some of the scientists today <laughs> I, ha- I have a question though uh, yeah. i've been listening you've, you've you've how many different jobs have you actually had
1: Oh, well, (laughs) yeah, I've had a couple, but, you know, you got to remember, it's over 46 years. So, so it's not. um, Yeah. So, uh, 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 five, I started at, I started at University of Rochester in 77. I went, I was there from 77 to 82. Uh, then I worked with, uh, Don Mosier at the Fox Chase Cancer Center in Philadelphia, 82 to 86. Um, then I was, uh, um, by the way, I was recruited. Th- this is another odd thing. Uh, and it's, I think, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get back to this, but this has a bit to do with Paul Horan because Paul Horan for some, Paul Haran is, is another guy that I worked with in Rochester, um, responsible for the PKH dyes, the, the, uh, the cell tribe. That's his initials, Paul Carl Horan. Uh, he's, he's, he's been also another one, although I never worked directly with him. We were all in the same group. Um, but I think he used to drop my name at meetings or something, be, be, uh, and and I'd get these phone calls from people, and they and they wanted. I was like, "Hello, who are you?" Because uh, I didn't know. Well, actually, I, mo- a lot of the times I did know the folks. Um, but, but getting back to the to the jobs, uh, Fox Chase Cancer Center in Philadelphia. Then I went to Harvard, so I was at the Dana Farber uh, Cancer Institute. That's where where where, uh, where John Daly was working the other lab, but I was working with uh, Ellis Weinhertz, who is. Um, Big T cell immunologist, responsible for a lot of the T cell receptor um, knowledge that we have. So I was there uh, for a while, and then at that point, so that was let's see. Um, I'm 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 not great with math. I, I used to be. Uh, I'm just trying to think of how long I had been in the field. I, at that point I at that point I I had been in the academic environment for quite a while, and I heard you know there's there's another world out there, this industry. Um, so I said, well maybe maybe I should check out industry for a while see if see if that like freshens things up um so um that was um uh there was a company uh at the time called Cytomation and they were doing demos uh, for uh, at that point they didn't have the MoFlo they inv- they came up with the they um commercialized the MoFlo cell sorter um but they had other instrumentation at the time and they were demonstrating stuff and i was i was uh, uh, actually John Daly used to get the demos and John would invite me over. So I'd go over uh, uh, and, and look at the stuff. And, you know, after a while they said, Hey, would you, would you consider moving to Colorado? So, so I did. And I worked, I, I, I worked on the Moflow for, for a while uh, that went until uh, 2000. So that was 96 to 2000. Um, and uh, then at that point, uh, moved back to New York. I'm a native New Yorker. Uh, and worked with David Ho from 2000 to 2007, uh, and um, for about two years, the last two years of my time with David Ho, NYU was aggressively re- trying to recruit me, uh, um, and that was an interesting story because because uh, it was, it, I, I was playing squash with, uh, 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 I'm not a great squash player, but I was I was playing squash with a lot of the The senior faculty who I had who I had known who I grew to know from previous jobs, Um, a guy named Mike Dustin, who uh, is another famous immunologist and character, and you probably know him because he's at Oxford now. Um, I knew I knew Mike when he was a graduate student. I worked with him at Dana Farber when he was a graduate student. I mean, uh, talk about another great mentor and 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 just prolific scientist. Um, We'd be playing squash all the time. Dan Litman, also another uh, uh, big immunologist. And and, and I'm playing squash with these guys. Um, And meanwhile, they're trying to convince me without, you know, really just not not high pressure to to come across the street. And that's what it was. It's basically across the street in New York City between at the time Aaron Diamond uh, was on 24th Street at at First Avenue and NYU is at 30th Street on first avenue so it was basically you know a job it wasn't it wasn't improving my commute in any way because i live 60 miles north of manhattan yes <laughs> well maybe it did by four blocks
2: <laughs> peter out of all these jobs uh well what have you found the most difficult time in your career to date what was the hardest time
1: the most challenging time wow um you know, in a lot of these jobs, um, the beginning of the jobs were the challenging times uh, because uh, at, uh, at uh, Fox Chase, it was very challenging because I had never operated one of these commercial instruments before. So I was a little challenged at the beginning, um, getting things up and running uh, reliably. Uh, I was really learning on my own uh, I don't know if it was common in the back in those days to have service contracts or to have people helping you, but I know we didn't have one at Fox Chase, so I had to fix. I had to figure out the facts too on my own. Um, I did. I did. Uh, uh, I did reach out from time to time to uh, folks at NIH. Uh, there was a person there named Susan Sharrow. Uh, Susan was um, another high-level immunologist, and she had a number of systems, and her uh, she had a great relationship with Don Mosier, so I was able to, to 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 chat with her and to get help. So you know, and and then um, both uh, Dana Farber as well as NYU. Uh, I think it's safe to say those core laboratories were in pretty bad shape uh, when I got recruited. So it was tough going uh, during the during those early days. So I think that would be you know the the a couple of these jobs that i took in the you know the early stages were rough because i didn't have a lot of resources i just had to you know figure it out make make things happen i mean you know know, nyu nyu just really uh was difficult because the lab was a disaster uh at the time it was a single person laboratory right now it's a six-person laboratory with the at the same institution uh, and and, and uh, that's another story because, because a lot of the work was coming, a lot of the NYU work was coming to me at Aaron Diamond because they just couldn't get work done. So, Peter, why keep jumping? Because every, every time you jump, you
2: jump into, a, into you know, you, you get a place running well, smoothly, you're on top of the instrument, and then you've hopped and you've gone into a place that needs pulling up.
1: What's motivated you to, to keep switching? Uh, well, maybe there's maybe there's a, uh, maybe there's just a little bit of ADHD that I deal with in my life. <laughs> so, so I'm always looking for something, uh, something shiny to distract me. <laughs> uh, but, um, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, it may really be that, you know, after, you know, it sounds like a lot, but these jobs were seven years, 10 years. I mean, this this, this NYU job, uh, which I'm now retiring from, I've, I've been there for 16 years. Um, so, um, just, just new challenges, you know, when I was, when I was, uh, at Dana-Farber towards the end, I started, you know, saying, well, yep, yeah, been there, done that. What, 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 what's my next move? Uh, and sometimes these things happen, you know, faster than other times. Um, okay. and, and, and that was really it. Just, just, you know, and, and these were moves, uh, of, uh, in location also, you know, I, So that was another thing that, uh, uh, you know, you know, you find a place to live and maybe you've, you know, after some, you know, maybe the neighborhoods start changing or things start changing where you're living. And, um, you know, so it was, um, I think these were the things I, you know, I was never, as I said, these were all recruitments. So, I mean, maybe that's another part, you know, when something gets, you know, you know, gets dropped off at your door you look at it and say, maybe this is something I want to (laughs) keep. An
2: an element of... uh... It's not flattery but feeling wanted and could be. Going where that's wanted so i'm going to ask you the converse uh i asked you most difficult most challenging time and that was the start uh, of starting at the labs again and the starting of a new lab bringing mm-hmm. it up of all the time in your career what has been the if you could go back and relive a year which, mm. what which
0: period would it be wow Wow!
2: Wow! 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 When you got glasses yeah, I, on, you can you can look at those very tinted glass and think, "Ah, oh, that was that. They, they were golden times. What was the most golden time?"
1: Well, you know, Cytomation in, in 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 Fort Collins in Colorado was, you know, it certainly had its ups and downs, but there, because it was a smaller group, um, and I, may, I I may even segue into Aaron Diamond also, because they were both smaller groups where, um, where I, you know, I, I had a feel, I mean, definitely at Sidemation, I mean, once things started clicking with the MoFlo, I was feeling like we were just kicking ass and, and, and just, just making real important contributions Uh, I mean, we, you know, we certainly with any new flow, any new instrument, no matter what it is, you know, there's going to be, you know, some issues, but we were addressing things, we were getting stuff resolved. Um, You know, people were, uh, were happy with what we were doing. And I felt, you know, this was, you know, there were, there were really late nights at Cytomation. Yeah, I'm talking about work. I'm not talking about the other There were other late nights too, which were always fun too. You know, the camaraderie of the group really just, that just turned me on. I mean, you know, everybody is willing to stay till midnight. You know, it's not just me working in the lab, you know, with a light on and 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 nobody else around. But people were just, you know, the camaraderie and and the notion that we were doing significant stuff. Um, you know, that was uh, that was really important. And, and, and I and I have similar kinds of feelings. Um, I mean, the, you know, all of my jobs. I, I think there were, were these times, but you know, to answer your question, the standout moment I think would probably be those early, those uh, those days at, at, at Cytomation.
2: I, I love the fact of all the cytometer pictures you sent me. You didn't send me one of a MoFlo.
1: I didn't send you one.
2: Okay. No, i okay, just looking through. I can't see one of a MoFlo, and I can't find mine. Okay. okay. Don't worry about it. I've changed it. tack a bit. You said you burnt into the late nights, and you sent some pictures <laughs> of yourself so after a late night, What? You sent me this picture of these two drinks in quite kind of really cool sort of Art Deco glassware. Actually, I've got to say I love the glasses. Hey, what are they? And are you that famous for drinking?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so the glasses actually—that's um, uh, well, a—that's a bit of a story um i mean you know i you know we've been to meetings together and 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 people know me you know i i'll i'll enjoy a, an adult beverage with with colleagues chatting over anything uh at any time um so um one of uh a, 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 a colleague and now a, a friend uh, at um uh, nyu uh uh, actually, someone who invited me to help them on uh, with, with their with a ver- with a really uh, significant um, um, uh, Cell Reports paper. Um, uh, he uh, after he after he left. Um, uh, he's he's still he's a consultant working for uh, and doing other things, kind of in bio and also in in business. He got seriously into cocktails, and he started sending me pictures of of cocktails. Uh, and, and, you know, he'd send me a a picture of a glass with something clear in the glass. And I was like, oh, that's, that looks like a martini. And he said, no, it's a daiquiri. And I, and I've cleared out everything. And I was like, and and, and I said, yeah, and how's it taste? He says, it tastes exactly like it should. And so this guy is, was, was in very deep. Um, and we got into it at my house cause I was, he would send me recipes. Uh, he would always he would always tweak a recipe said so that so with this what, what we're looking at here first off the glasses are a gift from my wife linda uh surprisingly um this is a christmas gift and that year we both gave each other glasses uh cocktail glasses uh, the, these are the ones that that she got for me and yeah they're they're really very very special um um hand washed by the way uh, <laughs> uh oh, yeah. and, yes yeah, and what you're looking at, uh, and this is a, this is simply a picture that I took to send to my colleague uh, Vish. And this is um, uh, this is a uh, what's called a maple sour. Um, it turns out that uh, I've got a lot of hobbies, and one of them is uh, is is that I make maple syrup. Uh, and there you and go. There, <laughs> there it is. That's my uh, that's my uh, 2023 crop. Uh, which is uh, the the season is over at the moment, Uh, but the, uh, the last uh, um, so that's, that's the result of a number of different days uh, of collection of sap and boiling sap. I, yeah. Oh, and there, and that's, that's my house. And, and actually let's see if you um, uh, you can, you can sort of see in, in, in the tree to the left at the base there's a little bucket and actually if, if once you identify that you can see there are other buckets um in in the pictures they're little white buckets at the base of the trees yep there you go there you go uh-huh yep and the and and that's for collecting uh the uh the trees there's a lot of trees on this property but uh the the, the selected trees are sugar maples so the sugar maple sap is then boiled down um and th- this picture i think is maybe no more than two weeks old um so uh, so I've got a lot of maple syrup. Um, I I love maple syrup. I mean that's just uh, you know pure you know uh, pure maple syrup is, is is a joy. I mean as my friends in Canada uh, uh, call it call it liquid gold um, because that because Canada is such a big producer. Yeah, so that's a, so that's a um a um uh maple uh, sour. It's uh um. You know what? I, I'm not gonna be able to I know it's got maple syrup, and I know it's got lemon juice. and I think the spirit is thinking it's vodka, but I'm not sure. Um, or it might be rum. But anyway, that's what it is. and and these are just pictures that 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 go back and forth between Visha and myself. He's always got some some really amazing stuff that he's he's doing pulling together. and uh, I'm just sending him kind of this this everyday stuff. but I try to get nice glasses. Well, at least the pictures
2: are sensible that you're <laughs> sending between the both of you. Peter, I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Oh, boy. OK, so what's your favourite colour?
0: Oh, I may, I may lean towards red. OK, what's your favourite dye? Oh, my favourite dye.
1: I always wanted to say rhodamine uh, uh, in, in a public setting, but it, it isn't because I like that rolling R rhodamine. But it, but it's not. Um, I I like the Philly by uh, the proteins. I'm gonna go with PE. I just I just like big molecules that fluoresce like holy hell. I okay. think. Are you an early bird
0: or night owl? Early bird. Uh, I'll. I'll um
2: you said in an
1: early bird, right yeah. are
2: you an early bird or a night owl oh night owl
1: um i'll i'll be burning the candle late so, so
2: night owl. yeah okay.
0: pc or mac
1: uh pc
2: okay no. mcdonald's or burger king um uh, and neither <laughs> so if you had a takeaway what would you go for
1: ah uh, i try to find some place where that has that has a good selection, but is, you know, but I can identify what's inside. <laughs> if you were to cook yourself, what would you cook? Oh, I, uh, I pizza is usually one of my go to's. Uh, you know, I, I will be eating pizza at my house like the one that uh, the image um, at least once a week.
2: Okay. Yeah. We're definitely a pizza house once a week. Uh, yes, definitely. For sure. Coffee or tea? Uh, uh, <laughs> tea. Coffee, but,
1: coffee, but this is tea.
2: <laughs> I was about to say, that's no way that coffee. <laughs> this, this is tea. It's coffee in the world. So, okay. So you've got tea now, but
1: not generally coffee, beer or wine? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Um, I'm going to probably say wine. Um, that's. Uh...
0: Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Red or white? Red or white wine? Probably going to be red. Red? Okay. I'm now going to challenge you with more. Wine or cocktails? You know, wine, probably. Ooh. Okay. Chocolate or cheese? Oh, boy. If you, together. Um, <laughs> uh,
2: that's a... To- I, you know, probably cheese. Okay. <laughs> well decided so you're married you got linda your wife you said who cooks at home mostly
1: i i was trained professionally
0: so um i'm, I'm my wife can cook but i it's me okay uh tv or book oh yeah it's probably could be tv
2: okay and god <laughs> what's the trashiest tv you dare admit to or you don't admit to but you're about to tell me anyway
0: trashiest tv oh boy 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 boy
2: boy come on you can't be watching that much bad tv to not that not to be able to decide on one <laughs> trashy tv um smile on your face tells me this i'm kind of
1: liking i'm kind of liking and she's from she's from britain uh 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 kunk Uh, oh come come Britain and stuff yeah okay okay (laughs) it considered trashy i think she's Uh, i think i guess you could get away with trashy very entertaining oh man are you kidding me i mean i i just i have had the 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 longest laughs with some of the i mean her timing and uh i mean you know some of this stuff is just absurd that she says but sometimes she comes up with something and I just can't, I I have to turn it off. It's like, nah. Do you know what? We should do a cunk
2: in Britain for a place cytometrist or something. You just ask those really (laughs) daft questions and just take it in a direction, not meant.
1: Right, So science, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) Oh, I love it. Uh, What's your favorite film?
1: 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, if there's anything better, I want to know about it.
2: (laughs) Classic film. Are you a star? What what would you prefer to watch, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, Trek, Star Trek. Good man. It's it's kind of a trick question, but some people do actually admit to Star Wars, but surely scientists gotta be Trek. What sort of music genre are you into? What's your music taste?
1: Uh, music tastes are usually, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a child of the late sixties. So rock and roll. Um, but I will, uh, uh, guilty pleasure. I will enjoy, uh, pop, uh, kind of pop rock, uh, type songs. Yeah. That's, that's, that's almost everything that I listen to. Although i you know, I, I, have a classical music collection. That, um, um, so if you, if you're going to ask, uh, uh vinyl cd or streaming i have a lot of vinyl uh although i don't have my vinyl set up uh but but i'm i'm a bit of a um i like that i like that warm sound
2: oh no thinking of vinyl records uh, i don't know if you know scott fraser uh so he's a very uh, microscopy world so I, I do the microscopy so similar to this yeah. uh-huh. scott has he makes his own amplifiers and he's got his vinyl record player is made on an IKEA Redboard no interestingly, I was it, it, with Scott there, actually, I was going to mention earlier, we talked about all the technologies that have moved through. So Scott brought spectral uh, microscopy to the scene. So spectral unmixing, the 32 detector array, it. actually with Scott Fraser's baby that he brought into the confocal microscopy world over 20 years ago. And here we are 20 years later, only just really embracing it in the flow cytometry world. I know, I know. What do you think to spectral flow cytometry?
1: Well, I think there's, you know, I think. Well, first off, I mean, you, you, you already you already prefaced this by saying it's it's been around, um, and 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 it's shown, you know, in the, on the microscopy side, and you know, some people will even point to the uh, the uh, astronomical uh, work that was is done with spectra, yeah. you know, um, and um, uh, which is another kind of that 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 was a, a another hobby of mine a, a while back. But, um, I think there's going to be, some, there is great power there to do things. Um, you know, people might, might say, well, yeah, you could probably do that without the spectral technology, but it's empowering having that capability, um, you know, things with things related, you know, definitely anything related to autofluorescence. I think that's a, you know, it's a strong, uh, help there. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's you know, I'm there there are some things that I'm still waiting for people to show me if 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 you know how how you know, for instance, how how you know I don't know if this is out there already, but but you know, how can you how how does spectral work with um with dyes that shift their emission? Um, you know, uh you know, you know, and then, then I may just not know the answer because it's, and it's out there already. But but it, it's not obvious to me, you know, how you could do, um you know, an experiment like with Indo one.
2: Yeah, I say Indo dies would be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, what? conceptually, it is possible. Conceptually, it is possible, but it would take. Uh, yeah. Offline.
1: OK, thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, I, I, no, I, I, really yeah, yeah. Like I said, exactly I'm, that can work, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is, and I'm sure at some point, even even if it's not in place in flow cytometry, if enough people ask for it, they'll that that'll that'll come out. Um, but I think you know, I think it's 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 uh, you know, I I know some labs where they're they're just replacing everything with spectral systems. You know, I don't think that's a that's a bad move. Um, but you know, I, I do also think that there is a place for conventional systems um especially if they're open and you can get into them and you can do things with them um you know that's that was that was a real a real strength of the moflow you know a lot of people would look at the moflow and they're like oh, oh look at this thing it's a whole bunch of it looks like somebody's uh physics project um and we knew that uh but we never put a box around it it was just you know people want to get in there and, and do things. So I think there's still going to be a place for that. And maybe that's where the, you know, I, you know I, I'm not going to put a crystal ball up and, and try to make predictions, uh, but, you know, maybe we might see instruments, you know, I have no knowledge of this, but, you know, I'm just putting it out there. Maybe we're going to see flow cytometers, you know, there might be, a, you know, a flow cytometer that's just an open machine again. You know where where you know every, where most of your instruments are spectral but here's this other one if you want to do something special and you can actually you know change the filters or, or you can you know or you can you know put something you know you can put put a half wave retarder in front of in, in front of the laser you can do something that you know would be impossible with these nice clean boxes.
2: Well, strangely, that's the way the world, uh, you know, the, the, the microscopy world is certainly going down that the homebrew type microscopes as well. sort of the homebrew specialist things, which would be to answer just that sort of question. Now thinking of homebrew, uh, I don't mean alcohol now. Which I do. Oh, and that, oh, there you go. You also <laughs> sent me a picture of a-, a Yeah, a, that's a, that's a th- yeah,
0: it's
2: a telescope. Yeah. A, a telescope for stargazing and stuff. Yeah. And So this is what you got you interested in optics to start with, is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah it is uh, I, I was i was i was quite an astronomy buff uh, I mean to be you know to to bring it back to the beginning I, I, you know i my my father um uh who who uh, actually uh, never graduated high school um uh he was a um he was a uh, in the um hVAC heating ventilation and air conditioning um initially as a mechanic and then later as an engineer he uh, when I was, you know, when I was a baby, things were happening, uh, it, with, uh, with space flight, uh, you know, the, the, the Mercury astronauts and, and so forth. And my dad used to play games with me about, uh, wh- where we were making believe we're, we're, we're launching a rocket. I mean, he will tell me these stories because I, I don't, he's passed on because I won't, I don't remember them. Uh, but I was, uh, you know, I was some early at you know, three or four years old and talking about putting liquid oxygen into the into the into the into the, into the lower stage of the thing. And then and, and we and we have to wait till events. And, you know, I don't know how how this happened, but I, I you know, it's really quite the science. art. And then that space thing got me in, in, interested in astronomy. Uh, I grew up in uh, in New York City and there's a famous uh planetarium called the Hayden Planetarium it's attached to the um to the Museum of Natural History and i wanted to go to that but i was too young they wouldn't let children in unless they were 5 years or older and and i must have been 4 because i kept on saying i want to go to the hayden because I, I had because you could go to the museum the museum had you know dinosaurs and all this yep. you know all this other cool stuff which i was into too um, but I wanted to go to the planetarium. And finally, I turned five. And my father said, we're going to the planetarium. And that was just so thrilling to me. So I was interested. That got me interested in astronomy. I was in astronomy clubs and stuff like that. And then, you know, an, uh, you know, an outgrowth of that is having your own telescope. So, um, you know, I read about it. I learned about it. and that, And the optics of putting that together uh, got me. Uh, um, uh, that, that, that wasn't my telescope. That's a very similar one. Mine is. I I still have it actually. I was about to ask. Do you still have your telescope then? I yeah, I still have it. Uh, and and I really have to get off my ass and and, and pull pull that thing out. Uh, because I've been carrying it around with me now for a while. And um, I, I, I if if you remember the picture with that with that big white tube, it's not attached. To the to to the right, yeah. So the big white tube is the telescope, and everything underneath is the is what is called the mount. It it holds it. So they're disconnected, uh, and the tube uh, in my garage is vertical. And people look at that thing and think it's a water heater because it's so big and round. It looks like you know a domestic water heater. I was like, no, it's a telescope. Uh, So I've been saying that long enough that I really should get that thing out and and look at it. You know, I'm 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 north of New York City now, so the skies are, are 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 pretty nice and um you know i'll 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 get out there still with binoculars and and see you know try to see things um i'm 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 actually a, a solar eclipse chaser also i've i've um i've i've seen a number of total i i i uh you know the, the, i i w- will i will travel to I, i'll get on a plane if if it's a, if it's a reasonable trip to go see a total solar eclipse and i i really encourage people to to make the effort if, in their lifetime just to see such a thing. I mean, the, a total eclipse is just the most bizarre spectacle. That is a total
2: fluorescence geek thing to do, to try and remove as much scattered light as possible. And you just <laughs> chase the, the removal of scattered light. I, I And I noticed, actually, if this is your house, you've got a lot of trees around it, which is going to give you a problem. Now, we've only got five minutes left, and there's oh. a few things that came out with some of more of the pictures. You so, sent me your pictures, uh, to these, oh.
1: <laughs> mushrooms, hobbies. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. That's, that's a hobby. That's a, um, these are oyster mushrooms that I, that I've grown. They're actually a little bit, a little bit past prime. The, uh, they're starting, the, the, the outer margins are starting to curve up a little bit. Um, I, I, I started doing this. This was my pandemic, um, hobby. Uh, my, my, my wife, Linda is a, is a cancer survivor and, um, Uh, she's been interested in increasing mushrooms in our, um, uh, in our diet and been buying them at the store. And then I learned that, you know, you can, you can actually grow these things on coffee grounds again, coffee first tea later. Uh, (laughs) But the, um, uh, the thing is, um, they're, um, uh, they're quite easy to grow. They grow incredibly fast. It's, it's quite frightening. (laughs) (laughs) fast They grow once they get, so I don't grow them on coffee grounds, um, they grow on straw, and um, and that's a, that's a uh, on a scale. I think that's a pound, uh, almost a pound and a half, of uh, oyster mushrooms. And they're delicious. I mean, they're just they're just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, my my nephew
2: actually, this is his living. He's, he's growing mushrooms for uh, fine dining. Uh, Sounds them down on the London markets. Uh, so Harvey Piper down there. So he's got things like uh, lion's mane.
1: And lion's mane yep i've grown those yeah i've grown lions mane. i don't have a good picture of the lion's mane yeah the the i, I grow lion's mane and 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 these uh currently but i might i might i, I might try to broaden up a little bit
2: so you've got cocktail making equal <laughs> syrup you've got <laughs> mushrooms you sent me a picture of this oh
1: oh <laughs> spider. I, that's a that's a um um it's interesting because i actually it's a fiat spider um uh, the fiat 124 spider actually to be to, to be really precise, uh, Fiat stopped selling their cars in the U.S. in 19 uh, oh, I think it was 1982, and then Italian another Italian company called Pininfarina um, yeah. basically took the same exact car, slapped their name on it, and sold it for another three years in in in, uh, in the United States. And as of 85, they never they 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 went away. Actually, they've come back. Uh, but anyway, this is a 1983. Fiat Spider it's a restoration project that I do drive um but it, it 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 harkens back to my first car I had the same car uh I think in uh it was a 1969 and that car was a death trap it was completely rusted uh and and after I got rid of actually that just went that just went to the uh to the dumpster I mean it was it, it just got picked up by a flatbed and the, the the first one and then you know years later i said you know maybe i should find one that that is that still has um some metal and it's not completely rusted uh, and 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 see, and uh, and and try to keep it up so that's my little maybe yep
2: so do you have old cars you've got your syrup you've got your mushrooms you've got your telescopes you confess to working late at night you've gone traveled many different destinations and you have a wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how does that work?
1: She must. She where, where's the time here? Uh. Well. Um. A, well. A. Uh, for those of you who who we see at meetings, you usually notice that she's there with me. So every, every uh, almost all of all of my traveling, I will include her in it. Um. I. You know. Uh. You know. I'm happy to say that you know that's one thing that i really learned through the pandemic is if there's anybody that i would wish to be locked up with for 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 years on end it's linda so um so she's just you know i mean she's you know as they say clearly the better half um she's uh she's wonderful uh, uh she uh, i can't say enough about her um, and she puts up with all of it. <laughs> the, the better half, but not the better cook. Can I
2: quote you on that from earlier?
1: Um yeah <laughs> probably, probably that's it's okay. It's, it's, she'll be fine with that. She'll be fine with that.
2: Um yeah, uh, so we are up to the hour, but I, I have to ask one more question because you sent me a picture of ah, please describe okay. this this looks like a torpedo. No, it's a submarine. What is it?
1: Yeah, so this is a um this is what's called an uh, autonomous underwater vehicle. Uh, for those of you who were at the CISO twenty twenty two meeting, the um, there's a woman kneeling uh, on the right side of the picture. That's Heidi Sasek. Uh, she was one of the speakers. Uh, not in the. Uh, I think that's your mouse. Uh, not in the uh, solid blue uh, to the other side. Uh, yep. That. Yeah. That's that, That's Heidi. Yep. That's Heidi. So this is um this is at the um, Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. I collaborated. In fact, I I dabbled a little bit with marine biology, um and um uh, this is uh this is an instrument that 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 they built and designed, um and you basically put any type of scientific payload in the orange part in the front. Um, and send these things off, and they run missions autonomously. They're they're robots, uh, and they can come up for uh, come up for uh, energy recharging with solar panels. So this is a group. These are a number of people who were invited uh, for a workshop, and we were basically um, challenged by the Monterey Bay Aquarium to come up with apparatus to stick into these things to do things like. Uh, um, predict um, uh, harmful algal blooms and things of that nature. So my my job there, uh, there I, uh, Heidi was Heidi's Heidi's a lot more. I mean Heidi's you know one of the biggest names in that in this field. I, I was just there I, I, because I got a little bit a little bit more on the instrumentation design side. Uh, we were we were the flow cytometry folks, but there are people there with all sorts of novel. I mean there were microscopists in that group um uh looking at you know how how can we get images of 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 things that might predict um uh you know so that's a yeah uh that 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 was a lot of fun also uh to 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 go back to your question about highlights uh but that was just a side kind of a gig but
2: we we are over the hour and we didn't get to talk about isaac and the importance of isaac and the recognition to yourself that isaac's awarded you some of the courses and events and some Well, you've got to work out which one you are on this picture because. Oh, the guy,
1: it's the guy with the longest hair.
2: Yeah. You had super long hair at one point. (laughs)
1: Uh, And, and I think you had, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Leon, Leon's, Leon's in the, uh, Leon Willis, the guy who gave me my first job is, is, is seated uh, next, next to Ted Young. Uh, um, in uh, Leon's in front of Myron Malamed, but uh, if if we're not uh, if those names aren't familiar, he's the guy in the left. Uh, uh in actually, uh, uh <laughs> there's, there's there, both guys on the left have kind of tan colors. So so Leon's uh Jack. he Leon's the guy with with the facial hair. Uh, maybe, the, yeah. yeah, I just love
2: the fact. You, yeah, yeah, I just yeah, just 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 looking at how you changed over time is utterly utterly. <laughs> Brilliant. So I couldn't resist actually putting those up. Peter, okay. we are really sorry, out of time. I've still got questions to ask you,
1: but you at cider okay. this year? I will probably be at cider this year. Yes, I will. We should grab a drink. Yes, pop- absolutely. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And some mushrooms.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you're a fun guy to be with. <laughs> it's a really bad joke to end on. Anyway, so everyone who's watched and listened today, thank you so much. Please go back and look at the other previous uh flow stars where some more is there yeah. uh, hopefully see you all at Saito. and please peter yourself thank you so much for joining me today you've been brilliant thank you
0: thank you